The National Institute of Standards and Technology has published special publication 800 the Supply Chain Risk Management Practices for Federal Information Systems and Organizations. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of Information Security Media Group. And to discuss the new guidance, I'm pleased to be joined by one of its authors, John Boyens. He's a Senior Advisor for Information Security at NIST. Welcome, John. Thank you very much, Eric. To get started, please define the supply chain as addressed in the guidance. The supply chain in the guidance is fairly high level just because we know that uh, different organizations have different supply chains. But the way we define it is a linked set of resources and processes between acquirers, integrators, and suppliers that extends through the uh, system life cycle of the product or service. These are different organizations that the federal government would deal with or any organization would deal with and how they relate to those and the, and the products they provide? Yes, we kind of uh, define the control that an organization has in its supply chain in an, and in its risk management. And we set that boundary uh, in terms of uh, who controls federal government data. A system integrator or a supplier could be inside that boundary. But when we get into commercial off-the-shelf products and services, that would be outside the boundary, and that takes another conversation altogether. What are the main challenges organizations face in securing the supply chain, and how has that changed over the past several years? I would say that that has been a change that has happened over the last 15 years. That's a change from, from a federal perspective, us developing a customized and or government off-the-shelf products roughly 80% about 15 years ago and commercial off-the-shelf products roughly 20%. That has changed to now we use uh, approximately 80% commercial off-the-shelf products. Our dependence on commercial products has increased. We have reaped the benefits of a global economy that has become very complex, where a lot of the manufacturing is, and assembly is a uh, global process all over the world. The supply chains have become more complex. The information systems in which the government agencies depend upon have become much more complex. And the scale and number of systems on which we depend upon has increased significantly. Part of it is that complexity which has decreased the visibility and understanding uh, government acquirers have in the products and services that they use. The guidance is there to try to uh, mitigate some of that complexity, I gather. Yes, and to try to get an understanding on the risk that they are trying to manage. Can you give an example of some of the kind of risks that are presented in the supply chain? In the risk equation, looking at threats and vulnerabilities, we split up threats into adversarial and non-adversarial. On the adversarial part, we look at uh, insertion of counterfeits, tampering, theft, insertion of malicious malware. On the non-adversarial side, and this quite often gets left out of the equation, but looking at it holistically, we think it's fairly important, and that's the non-adversarial, looking at the natural or man-made disasters and poor quality products and services. In terms of vulnerabilities, we look at it both internally and externally, and that's internally 
what risk management practices an organization is using, and then externally that that longer supply chain on which the agency depends. How much are, are the vulnerabilities that an organization needs to look at have to deal with off-the-shelf products that during the creation or transportation of these of these products can somehow become vulnerable with maybe malware inserted? Is, 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 that, is that a primary concern? Yes, and that's the both the counterfix as well as the uh, the software side of it. In many ways, folks get caught up in that a little bit too much, although that is extremely important for us. But another side of that is just the the quality of the uh, products being purchased. Let's talk about the quality, and I guess that's the non-adversarial part you're talking about. What are some of the maybe more common uh, problems of, of the software that could, that could create risk for systems if they're not caught? Some of the vulnerabilities that exist now have existed for over 15 years. It's just that a lot of the software code that is being inserted is being reused over and over and over again without the vulnerabilities being taken out. And, and whose responsibility is it taken out? Well, I think that's part of the, uh, the challenge that we're facing is we would like to see throughout the supply chain better coding practices so that when an end user gets the software, they don't have to, or at least the testing that, that goes into it is minimized. Obviously, I guess, and, and the purpose, I guess, of this guidance is the ultimate responsibility is on the uh, organization that's implementing the software. Yes, and that's where the, the the visibility and understanding the risks that you are that an agency is acquiring. Does the guidance address ways of, of testing the software and maybe changes organizations should approach in the way they do test software? No, the guidance that we are offering is descriptive and not prescriptive. We are actually offering an overlay to an existing publication, SB 853 Rev 4, which is the large uh, security catalog that government agencies use. And what we've done is we've extracted the supply chain related controls out of that location. It's basically informing the organization what they what controls they need to have in place to to provide the security they need from from using products that come out of the supply chain. Yes. As the title suggests, it's, it's dealing with the improving the risk management of, of the supply chain. Correct. What are some of the basic best practices of supply chain risk management? First off, I think what we're encouraging organizations to do is those foundational practices are just foundational good information security practices, and that's following existing standards and guidelines that NIST has already published. That's the FIPS 2000, FIPS 199, 853, and some of the risk management guidance as well, like 839. More supply chain specific would be for an organization to develop a supply chain risk management plan at different levels of the organization, at the higher policy level of the organization, at the more programmatic level, as well as at the operational level. That plan would dictate the different policies in place from a high level. It would indicate who's responsible for which parts, as well as the different mitigation controls that are in the supply chain plan that stem from the risk assessment. In an organization, who should be responsible? Who should be the owner of a supply chain risk management? The ultimate owner is going to be the, the chief risk officer, and that's 
quite typically a function, a shared function. But ultimately... I'm sorry, you said a shared function? They may have more than one function. So the, the chief risk officer function may be at different parts of an organization. It could be in the extreme higher echelons, or it could be in a chief information officer shop, which, which we do not advocate. We, we want the supply chain to be handled with the overarching organizational risk management. And not information risk management. You're talking about overall risk management, just to be clear. Yes. And why is it important to incorporate that into the overall risk management? Because it's a shared risk along with the other types of risk an organization has, such as financial safety the other thing that I think is fairly foundational in terms of supply chain is just the training and awareness inside the organization on supply chain risk management, which is why we advocate a team approach is we want supply chain risk management to be shared by both legal, the contracting, the system owner, system engineers. Right now, one of the, the biggest gaps that we see is between the contracting officer who does a lot of the acquisitions and the system owner who actually owns all of the risk. So that communication line between those two functions really needs to be close. Is there a mechanism designed in the uh, guidance that shows how that relationship would be uh, handled? Or is it something that's just uh, mentioned and each organization sort of figures it out on its own? No, actually, in one of the appendices, we go through an acquisition processes through a uh, development life cycle, where in that uh, acquisition processes, uh, different parts of the supply chain risk management plan work and where that contracting officer would interact with the system owner. Is there an additional cost involved with this? I mean, is this something that could be expensive for organizations to implement, or is this something that could be simply integrated without additional expenses? This, similar to a lot of our other security guidance, is more of a toolbox. So it has to be which tools are used out of that toolbox has to match up with the risk assessment. So it really depends on where the risk is. This publication is geared towards um, FIPS 199 defined high impact systems. FIPS is the Federal Information Processing Standard which categorizes different systems into either high, moderate, or low. Based off of the criticality of the system and support that it offers the uh, uh, primary function of the organization. These high-impact systems would be critical to the functioning of the organization. So these are very um, high-risk systems. Now, even within that category, though, we offer many different controls, some of which are more foundational and just good information security controls. But we also offer some more adaptive controls that would be more expensive for an organization to adapt. And those are typically along the track and trace area. Define track and trace. Uh, it's trying to find the provenance of, an, of a particular component or part or system. And that's setting a baseline of how it's been developed, who has touched it throughout its development process. So that it's really knowing how it was developed and who has touched it to see where the risks are in that process. That could become very costly, particularly when dealing with commercial off-the-shelf products, because it's going to add costs onto the supplier 
that cost ultimately will be borne by the agency through contracting. So it could become very costly. That is one of the controls that we have as an optional control, but we would be remiss if we didn't put it in there. But it is not a control that we think that uh, most organizations will use all the time. Now, as you know, a lot of industry looks to guidance that's even though it's designed for federal agencies that they could adopt. How much of this can be adopted by the private sector? Much of the guidance could be adopted by the private sector. Now, this publication is really geared towards federal agencies. However, in light of the fact different organizations have different supply chains, the things that are common among uh, federal government agencies and other organizations are just doing uh, simple risk management and risk assessments. So once that risk assessments are done, implementing a supply chain risk management plan and matching up mitigation controls inside the response part of that plan, every organization is going to do. Thanks, John. Yeah, thank you very much. Glad to be here. That's John Boyens of NIST. I'm Eric Chabro. Thanks for listening.